So overall, I would avoid hiring like interns. I would avoid hiring like your little brother to help you fulfill orders. I would avoid hiring like just, just that friend because you just need a body. Like you're investing time, energy, and money into anyone that you hire. And if you hire that person, you want them to stick around. I can't tell you how many interns I hired that we trained, they did a good job, and they weren't really interested in working with us long-term. Every business is unique but the ups and downs we experience as we launch and run our businesses are pretty similar. We're Harmon Brothers, the team behind Pooping Unicorns and other weird but successful video ads you've probably seen. We help businesses grow through unforgettable video marketing, and we're no stranger to tricky situations. In fact, we embrace them. The goal of this podcast is to show how your crappy circumstances could be the golden opportunity that leads to your next success. You're listening to Poop to Gold. Hey, what's up, guys? This is James Dayton, creative director and owner here at Harmon Brothers, and we are on with the Nathan Hirsch. What's the best title to give you? Just, just the best hard-hitting title. You're, you're an outsourcing expert, genius. I'm very hesitant. I think the rest of our audience are, are nervous of the word guru. But what's a, what's a great way to give you uh, the most prestigious title that you deserve here, Nathan? Oh, man. I, I wouldn't call myself a, a guru or a genius, um, but just serial <laughs> entrepreneur. I mean, I love being an entrepreneur. I love starting businesses, helping businesses. We're looking to partner and invest in some different small businesses this year. So I'm just all about entrepreneurship. He kills it in basically everything. And you've been going at this point for over 10 years, correct? Yeah, yeah. I've never had a, a real job. I had some internships in college going into college, but yeah, just been an entrepreneur. So that's the nature of being self-employed, right? Is we're unemployed on a daily basis and we love it, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I don't so... think I'm employable. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Nathan Hales from Massachusetts. He's done a stint in Winter Park, Florida and recently moved to Denver, correct? Yeah, just got to Denver here. Two weeks. I don't even have furniture in this house yet. <laughs> well, it sure looks nice. It's, it's better decorated than my place right now. So good for you. And, and well read, according to your backdrop. So appreciate <laughs> you, man. Okay, well, let's get right into the killer, no filler. Here on this podcast, we want to jump right into the hard-hitting facts that every entrepreneur wants to know so that you can quickly move your business forward and s skip the business school if you can. I'm not suggesting that necessarily, but... Once you listen to Nathan, I don't see why you need to go at this point. So, Nathan, one of your biggest core competencies is assisting people with virtual assistance specifically. And entrepreneurs have no idea, especially in the early phases, why a virtual assistant is so imperative, so necessary, and so paramount for their business. First off, what is a virtual assistant? What are the ranges of responsibilities that you can give to them? And how, how has it helped people over the past 10 years that you've seen? Yeah. And to take a step back, I think one of the things that I learned early on is you have to be able to hire well if you want to grow your business. I mean, I lost all my hair back when I was in my young 20s just from making terrible hires that just made my business go in circles. And a lot of people, they, they preach marketing, they preach finance and all this stuff, but it, it doesn't matter. If you can't hire people, your business is not going to grow. And I... We had to hire people when I was pretty young. I was in college. No one really took me seriously. College kids were, were very unreliable. So I got into the, the virtual assistant world. And, and after spending years in there, that's when I started to really figure it out. It changed my life forever. And now what, that's when I teach other people about VAs through, through outsource school. So think of three different types of people you can hire. You've got followers, you've got doers, and you got experts. So Followers, five to 10 bucks an hour, usually non-US, they're there to follow 
your systems, your processes. It could be lead generation, inbox management. We have VAs who will manage our Facebook group. You can do all these things, but you can't just hire a VA and say, hey, I don't know how to run Facebook ads. Go run my Facebook ads. That's not gonna work out very well for you. They have to live within your system, within, within your company's architecture, correct? You have to have the systems and the processes. You have to know how to do it or at least be able to come up with a rough template of the process that the VA can, can take and make better. You're not hiring someone who's bringing their own expertise and skill set. They might have years of experience being a customer service rep, but the way that you do customer service is way different than someone else doing customer service. And so those followers are the virtual assistants. The doers are more like the graphic designers, writers, the specialists, and then the experts are the high-level consultants, agencies that, that bring their own expertise, experience, game plan, strategy to the table. Uh, and you said there are three tiers. So there's the followers, and then what are the other two tiers? So the followers are the virtual assistants to follow your systems, your processes. The, the doers are the second tier. Those are like the freelancers, the specialists, the, if you hire a video editor, you're not training them how to video edit. They already know how to do that, but they do video editing all day. And then if you want the strategy, the expertise, that's when you go to the experts, which is the third tier. Um, and, and they're really bringing more than just a specialist, more than just following your directions. You wouldn't hire someone to run your Facebook ads when and you don't know how to do it and say, hey, I'm going to tell you how to do it. They have their own process and system that they bring to the table. Awesome. Nathan, your timing is so perfect. Just last week, we had a leadership retreat. Here's the thing. I used to own my own company that was purchased by Harmon Brothers called Jamestown Films, right? And for the longest time, it was just me. So I get the need to have additional people in, inside your organization with these processes. When I hired a producer, all of a sudden, like, everything fell off my plate. And then when I hired an editor, it just exponentially just became more productive, more profitable, and my life, my stress, my family life especially, just finally just started to chill out and, and it just equilibrate itself into the right place that it needed to be. These virtual assistants, what, what is the typical single person or dual person partnership need right out the gate with a virtual assistant? Like, how can this help them? Yeah, that's always the most difficult question to answer, right? Because people want to hear, oh, you should hire someone for inbox management or should hire someone for lead generation first. But it, it, it's really different depending on where you are for, for each business. And we live in a pretty incredible time. I mean, you can hire people from all over the world different skill sets, different price points. You, they don't have to be in your town or the towns around you. You don't need an office to put them in and you don't even have to hire them full time. I've had VAs that were five hours a week, one hour a month. Like you have pure flexibility to use people. So if you're a newer entrepreneur, when I, whenever I start a company and I start companies with $5,000 or less, I start them pretty lean. I usually start with a five to 10 hour a week virtual assistant and they're doing stuff like running my inbox, managing my calendar, keeping my focus on what's so important in that first six months, which is growing the business, partnership strategies, getting those initial sales. When you get a little bit bigger, you can start using VAs for outreach and to actually get you customers like lead generation, podcast outreach, influencer outreach, partnerships. And I actually would wake up every day to an email from my virtual assistant of podcasts to go on, blogs to reach out to. And then when you get even bigger than that and you, you have sales and you have those marketing functions coming in, then you got to get your operations in tune. You got to have VAs that can do fulfillment, that can do customer service, that can do a lot of the stuff that don't necessarily make you money, but you have to do those things if you want to be able to produce for your clients. So it just depends where you are as a business owner. 
Now, these virtual assistants, are they just typically overseas or do you, do you have VAs that happen here in the U.S. as well? So everything we teach in outsource school applies no matter where you hire from. You can hire U.S., India, Philippines. I personally hire from the Philippines and, and hire non-U.S. I hire rock stars there. They're between five and 10 bucks an hour. And there's a lot of reasons that there are benefits from hiring from the Philippines. But my overall advice to people hiring VAs is you don't want to go out and hire like two people from the Philippines, two people from India, two people from South Africa. You're just adding a lot of extra work to your plate, especially if you've never hired a VA before. Different time zones, different cultures, they have to communicate with each other. So if you're going to hire a VA non-US, which I recommend at least trying out, um, then I, the Philippines is a great place to start. It's so interesting because you are going to be playing in a different time zone with these guys. So Every once in a while when our plate gets full, we go to what's called the bench here at Harmon Brothers, which means that we've got our outside freelancers that we go to first for graphic design or motion graphics or, or whatever that is. But every once in a while, we completely fill all the plates, right? And so every once in a while, I've got to hit up work and, and I've got to go find a graphics designer who's in Serbia or Ukraine or whatever that is. And... I've, I've personally experienced that that time zone difference, uh, depending on how the person works, can either be fantastic or can be the biggest nightmare in the world. How do you date people and vet people so that it's, it's this seamless workflow for you specifically? Yeah, and the thing I'll add there is when you're dealing with creatives, I kind of put creatives in a whole other category. They deserve that. We deserve that. That's fine. What you really want to do over time is build a Rolodex of reliable people you can go to. Like every time you have a graphic design project, you don't want to go to Upwork or Fiverr or FreeUp. You want to have two or three designers you can always go to, two or three writers, two or three video editors. And that's kind of what we've done over time. And it jumps from business to business. Like if you have multiple different businesses and you have video editors you can go to that are trustworthy, that hit duty that know what you want, that just makes everything a lot easier. And really what we learned the, the hard way when you're hiring either VAs or freelancers is not just to focus on experience. I think a lot of people get caught up on the five-star reviews, what other projects they've worked on. That's one part of the equation, but we have what we call our, our care interview process, which is communication, attitude, red flags, and experience. So experience is part of it, but we actually spend time making sure they can communicate at a high level, which is very important, especially if you're hiring non-US. We make sure they have the attitude qualities that we're looking for in a person and that they're passionate about what they're doing and that they're not just all about the money. And then we look for red flags as we're interviewing them and as we're onboarding them of, hey, what is this person saying that shows me they don't have the experience that we need, they can't communicate the level they want, or they don't have the attitude that we want in our business. And I want to know what a few examples of, of these red flags are. And by the way, is there an E on that acronym of CARE or is it just C-A-R? No, E is experience. So that Okay, okay. Uh, we, we started with that at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Give me a few examples of those red flags you guys look for. Yeah, so we do all our interviews via Slack. It doesn't matter what channel you use. We like to keep it all on a messaging channel. A lot of people will try to do like Zoom calls or voice calls. Like if you're hiring a graphic designer, why do they have to be good on voice calls or audio calls? Like that doesn't make any sense. So what we do need to be able to communicate with them on emails and Slack. So we'll actually interview them there. And if they're taking a long time to respond, that's a red flag. If we're taking a while to get on the same page, that's a red flag. When you're dealing 
dealing with attitude, um, people that are very focused on money opposed to being passionate about what they do, um, people that you aren't positive, people that can't handle a little bit of adversity, can't handle being challenged a little bit. Those are the type of people we stay away from. An experience that kind of dives into what exactly are you looking for? Are you looking for a junior developer? Or are you looking for a senior developer? So that's a little bit more depending on what skill you're hiring for. Now, with the people that you do bring into your funnel, and by funnel, I mean the people that you're bringing in as virtual assistants to begin with, do you have a dating phase where you're like, hey, you're going to be in here for three months or six months before we solidify you in? Or do you just kind of kind of go off a gut feeling and say, you're on, you're one of us now, you seem like a great cultural fit, you're in the gang. Uh, how does that work for you guys? Yeah. And I know it's popular in the VA space to do like trial runs and like, Hey, you're not really hired, but we're going to test you out. We did that for a while. I mean, when we're dealing with creatives or project-based stuff, we're not just going to hand someone a 30 page website and say, Hey, do it. I'll talk to you in two months. We're going to say, Hey, do one page, send it back. We'll give feedback. We'll make sure you can adjust to our feedback. We'll give you two more pages. And if it's more of a a VA role, we might have a a two week period where we're training them. We might have a, a starting rate, maybe, if they start at four and once they're done training, they hit five. We try to avoid the, hey, you're, you're not really a part of the team, but we're paying you and we're testing you out. That That's usually not the best for like culture and motivation, but we will have a, a certain training phase and certain things that, that we expect them to understand and learn or else we're, we're not going to invest time into them. And, and part of just being good at hiring in general is noticing when someone's not going to be good in week two opposed to month three, because that can make a gigantic difference in your business. Totally. I want to take just a second and I want to I want to take a step back and I want to strip it all down, right? For any entrepreneur that says a virtual assistant, why, what is that? Just just going back to the basics. I know we've already defined this up front, but what are the benefits of going with a virtual assistant out the gate as soon as you've started a business? What are some of the core benefits you receive immediately, midterm, long-term, maybe as opposed to hiring your neighbor or somebody else that seems competent within your sphere? So overall, I would avoid hiring like interns. I would avoid hiring like your little brother to help you fulfill orders. I would avoid hiring like just just that friend because you just need a body. Like you're investing time, energy, and money into anyone that you hire. And if you hire that person, you want them to stick around. I can't tell you how many interns I hired that we trained, they did a good job and they weren't really interested in working with us long-term. So VA- And that's a lot of time and money you just put into training. And training can be very costly. And you also have to think of like best case scenario too. So let's say you hire someone in the US for 15 bucks an hour. Not a terrible rate, not an amazing rate. It's a decent rate for a customer service job. How long are they really going to be happy at 15 bucks an hour? Let's say you train them, they're rock star, they're great at their job. They're going to want 20. They're going to want 25 eventually. And then you're kind of in a tough position. Do you drastically overpay for customer service or do you start all over and waste that training time? Whereas if you hire a good virtual assistant for five bucks an hour and they're a rock star and they knock it out of the park, give them seven, give them eight, give them nine. They're going to be with you for a very long time if you treat them well. And as an entrepreneur, the your time is everything. You only have X amount of hours in a week. If you're working 80 hours a week, you can only do that for so long before you get burnt out. And a virtual assistant allows you to spend the time that you should be spending on the stuff you should be spending it on rather than stuck in your inbox, responding to every email, whatever it is that the virtual assistant can take off your plate that you know how to do. 
Well, and just to get as controversial as I possibly can right here, I'm trying to look at what the outside market forces might say, right? Uh, even in the political sphere, and they might say, well, well, how can you not, not stay in the U.S.? Or how can you hire at such a low cost? But I, I, I would w wager to guess that you've got Adam Smith's invisible hand absolutely working here where you are, are you know, being as productive as possible at the lowest cost, which then benefits your customers and pass that savings on to them while creating jobs for other people in the world who are still great human beings. And it sounds like a win-win across the board. It sounds like both, both parties are extremely happy in there's this handshake benefit that happens across the board there. Am I totally off on this or, or what would you say there? No, I mean, there's a lot of different factors there. I mean, first of all, a lot of people take our trainings from outsource school and go and hire someone from the US. Like you can do that. It's a personal preference. And I can't tell you how many business owners are starting a new business. They cannot hire one employee, two employees, three employees. They just can't afford it. It's not a realistic option for them. And I've seen them hire VAs, get the business off the ground, which leads to jobs for US employees. And remember, we talked about the three levels, the followers, the doers, and the experts. If I'm hiring from the US, I want to be spending my money on the doers and the experts. I want to save money on the followers. And that's how you're able to grow an effective business. And like you said, we're, we're all people in this world. If you think that COVID-19 is tough in the US, imagine what it's like in the Philippines where most people aren't ordering Postmates or, or have a lot of the benefits that, that we have that we take for granted. So th there's a lot of factors there. But anyone listening that's like, I do not want to hire outside the US. I want to keep jobs US. Bottom line is you still have to learn how to hire and it just, you can hire people from the U.S. and use the same system. Well, and based on what you're saying, there is an economic benefit and an economic ripple effect that hits here in the U.S. where if you can if you can put the menial tasks into VAs, then you can actually hire higher-end doers here in the U.S. and actually create a much better wage force right here in the homeland. That's really cool. Yeah, That's absolutely. a really cool thing. Tell me, tell me a few of the things that could go wrong in the VA world if you don't do it correctly. Just, just have the most well-rounded conversation in the world. Where, where does this break down? And what do people need to watch out for? So whenever you, if you Google like issues with virtual assistants, you'll see stuff like VAs not working the schedule people want, having internet issues, power issues, personal issues, or they're like, hey, I can't work for the next 30 days. It, it really comes down to expectations. And this is something that, that took us years to, to figure out. We, we love acronyms. So our onboarding process is called the SICK method, uh, S-I-C-C, which is schedule issues, communication, and culture. And we'll actually go through with the VA before they start training and get on the same page. Hey, I need you to work US times. Have you ever worked US times before? What other clients do you have? What are the times for those clients? How many total hours are you working a week? We'll go through, hey, do you have a backup computer? Do you have a backup internet source? Hey, we don't work with VAs that are one personal issue away from not being able to work for an extended period of time. So we spend extra time up front, an extra 30 minutes of your time, and that extra time is going to save you countless hours down the line. So most people, most entrepreneurs, when they hire VAs and mess up, just do a terrible job setting expectations where the VA doesn't really know what they're getting into. And that's, that's brilliant to vet and spend that extra little time. I, I think we find over and over and over again that once you front load the process and just use a little bit of extra time getting it right, it's, it's like that gate hinge that just swings massively over time. So I think that's yeah, great. I mean, you know this from the agency space. If you spend more time onboarding your client, you usually have less issues with that client down the line. Very similar when you're hiring. Absolutely. So for you, 
building phase poop to gold or, or maybe maybe it's not in the building phase maybe it was at some point where everything just went wrong and just dropped what what was your poop to gold moment when it seemed like this really wasn't going to pan out as a business for you and then you turned the corner what happened so we'll take it back to my Amazon days. I was an Amazon seller as my first business, but before I started free up and I, I had this business where we were working with these manufacturers. I had one manufacturer who's doing 80% of the sales. So I said, you know what? I don't care about the other manufacturers. Let's just work with this one. And then I thought, Hey, what if I just hired someone and trained them to run all parts of my business? I'm stressed out. I'm working a lot of hours. So I hired someone and I spent six months training them to do all parts of my business. And at first it was awesome. I had my business on autopilot. I was sleeping better at night. This person was doing everything. We were selling a lot from this manufacturer. And I go on my first vacation and probably over a year. And on the first day of my vacation, the guy quits on me and the manufacturer drops me. So I go from like this ultimate high, hey, I'm this 21 year old, year old entrepreneur, like crushing it. I'm not gonna have to get a job out of college to let's start this thing all over again. And I learned a very valuable lesson about diversification, a lesson that I still use to this day. And it was luckily able to, to kind of turn it around from there, reach out to more manufacturers. Eventually when it was time to hire again, really diversify, have a team for customer service, a team for filling orders. If someone quit, you could plug someone else into that team. But it was a very tough lesson to learn as a young entrepreneur. That's awesome. And I think this is the first time in Poop to Gold history where we've had a story that was Poop to Gold, Poop to Gold. It was literally just a roller coaster. But I think that's how it is for everybody, the grand majority of us. That's an awesome story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Let me ask one quick question. Stepping aside from virtual assistants, Okay. I want you to brag about yourself for just a second because you sold an eight-figure business. Is that correct? Yeah, at the end of 2019. How long did it take to get there? And besides virtual assistants, give me the top three factors that played into that success. Yeah, so we started free up in 2016 with a $5,000 investment. We scaled it to eight figures in four years. We did that with no office, no US employees. The entire business was run uh, by virtual assistants. And we also spent no money on paid ads. And really the key to our business was podcasts. I go on a lot of podcasts. I'm doing a podcast with you right now. I've cut back a little bit since the, the acquisition, but it, it was a big key. I mean, if you, if you think about it, I came from the Amazon space where you pay Amazon, they're, they're 15% they get all the customers for you to starting my own website, starting my own brand. I know nothing about marketing. So I just went out and I started going on podcasts, but then I didn't just go on podcasts. I used those podcasts to network with people in the industries that I wanted to be a part of. I built partnerships where we would send customers to them and vice versa. We got a lot of backlinks. It was good for SEO. People started to recognize our brand. It had a snowball effect that led to me getting asked to do more podcasts and guest speaking opportunities. So if you're an entrepreneur listening and you have a small budget, there's no cheaper way to grow your business than going on podcasts. Is it work? Is it time? Of course, but there, there's a lot of added benefits that the average person doesn't think of. I love that. So, so podcasts, no ads, and then a lot of backlinking to really boost your CEO. And then you started to become your kind of own brand name through doing that. There's a lot of snowball effect that happened there. What else were you able to do to get in front of eyes? Or is that it? Are we, are we listening to like everything that happened that, that took your exposure from zero to hero? 
No, I mean, partnerships were, were a big part of it. So we started off in the Amazon space providing VAs for Amazon sellers. I came from the Amazon space, so that was a, a pretty good starting point, although later on we expanded past that. But we started off, we would go to every Amazon software company and we'd go to them and say, hey, we don't provide Amazon software. You don't provide Amazon VAs. Let's partner. You send people to us, other people will, will, or people that want software, I'll send them to you. And it, it all kind of goes hand in hand because a lot of those people would have a podcast and some of them wouldn't. But you you build these partnerships where every single quarter you're doing newsletter blasts. You're doing we we did some VIP networking events together back in the day where where you could go to events and everything in between from YouTube videos to podcasts. And so every single quarter we had hundreds of partners promoting free up. Not to mention going on podcasts, getting that evergreen content out there, leading to relationships, which leads to referrals and affiliates and all of that. So it it, it all kind of goes together. But it really started by going on podcasts. I love that. Okay, we're going to go into power hour right now. So I want to hear your top, let's say five tips of strategies and tips that if an entrepreneur isn't using, they're slowing their trajectory way down. Yeah. So quarterly goals, incredibly important. My business partner and I meet every quarter. We map out the, the quarter ahead. I, it's weird how we just didn't do that for the first few years of being an entrepreneur. I don't know how that's possible, but I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who are not doing that. That planning phase is very important. So that's number one. Number two is you need to have quarterly meetings with every single person on your team. We do one-on-one -on -one meetings with every single virtual assistant. We use that as an opportunity to show appreciation, to maybe give them a bonus, to challenge them, to give them feedback, to share the company goals and make sure that we're on the same page. All of that is incredibly important. Number three is figure out what time in the day you are most productive. For me, it's right when I wake up, like the first two hours of the day. So those two hours, I do the most important thing every single day. I don't spend time like checking Facebook or doing all those other things. Like my, even if I do nothing else that day, my most important thing is done first thing in the morning for other people that could be between three and 4am, whatever that time is, make sure that you're maximizing it every single day. Four is Love networking. That. Big fan of networking. I network with a few new entrepreneurs every single week. Over time, you, you wake up one day and you're like, man, I have met a lot of people. It leads to different opportunities. And don't go, go out there with like a, a salesman mentality where every person you network with, you're trying to close the deal. Sometimes I, I go out just to add value and just to meet other people and, and learn other people in the space. And the last thing is that whole dream 100 list that I know Russell Brunson talks about. We were doing that before it was even called that. Really, it's not necessarily about finding like all the Ezra Firestones in the space. It's about saying, hey, who has the communities of my ideal client and how can I work with them? And when you're constantly reaching out to the owners of their communities, whether they have a podcast, a Facebook group, whatever it is, that's, how, that's a quick way to get in front of thousands of people at once, which is way better than any single lead. Nathan Hirsch, everybody. I'm 35, Nathan's 31. Yet again, I interviewed somebody who's far more successful than me, and it's depressing and inspiring at the same time. Nathan, where can people find you? Yeah, go to OutsourceSchool.com. You can grab a free trial. We share all our strategies, tactics, secrets that we've learned over the past 10 years of hiring VAs. And uh, you can follow me, Nathan Hirsch, on any social media channel. Okay, you got yourself another follower plus another few thousand. Guys, he is incredible. Follow him, listen to him. And, and execute on what he's telling you. Nathan, thanks so much for being with us. You are awesome, dude. And uh, yeah, let's stay in touch. It's going to be very fun watching your trajectory. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much, man. We'll see you.
At Harmon Brothers, we're known for what we call our hero campaigns. These are big nationwide campaigns for brands like Squatty Potty, Poopery, Purple Mattresses, Lumi Deodorant, and many others. What makes these campaigns special is that they've helped scale those businesses by tens of millions of dollars each. Now, companies reach out to us on a regular basis wanting a hero campaign. They want that type of growth, they want that type of branding, and they want that type of awareness. But the simple reality is, most businesses and entrepreneurs aren't yet quite ready for that level of growth. So we've built what we call a hero incubator that is designed to help entrepreneurs and companies prepare for a hero campaign and to be ready for the type of growth that they're looking for. The hero incubator starts with a marketing audit. We offer these marketing audits for free and you can apply for one at harmanbrothers.com forward slash audit.